I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks. And this morning, I'm delighted to be speaking with Gideon, Alexis, Julian, and Roma. And the thing I want to put on the table as we're going through a time when it seems like most conversations are happening in capital letters, right? Whether they're online or in person, they're not, they're not dulcet, they're intense, was to go back to the Shema, which I believe is a prayer all of you know and unpack it a little bit and see if there might be some tools and how you respond to that. So the prayer, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, starts with the word Shema, and the word Shema is in the imperative, which means it's a command, it's a, it's a strong voice. And so my first question to you all is, how can you command people to listen? What do you, and we'll we'll come back to it, but like your first response, how can you command people to listen? Julian and then Gideon. Like I think by being human, by just like kind of presenting them your like humanity and and some something that you have in common, your kind of like just decency, because people can just respect like, oh, this is a person with emotions and kind of similar to Gideon? I'd say that's kind of difficult because you can't really command someone to listen to you. They just listen or not. You can never really force someone to listen to you without being aggressive. And then they're not listening to you. They're going to be trapped in their own thoughts saying, wow, why is this person being so mean? Alexis? I mean, I was going to kind of say something similar to, uh, to Gideon with you can't force anybody to do something they don't want to do. I think... I think we can say that like as people we should listen to each other but I don't think we can like make anybody listen to to us. Rama? I mean I completely agree with what Gideon and Alexis were saying that you can't make someone listen but you can try to express your thoughts in a way that will get them to listen. So if we translate the prayers listen up Israel just let's go to that that phrase listen up Israel right? Pay attention, wake up. My question is, what does it take to really listen? So, hooking on to what Julian said, like I agree with you know the, the with with all of you, we can't force anybody to do anything. Let's let's start with that premise. Forcing people just gets people angry, right? I mean, right? I see it with little people with. As I, I work, in, I'm in a world where I have young grandchildren. You cannot force them to do anything. You can get them to listen and maybe change their mind, but forcing, nah, doesn't work. Leads to tantrums and stuff like that. So, my question is, what does it take to really listen and hear somebody else's voice? What does it take from for us to do that? Get uh, Julian. I mean, I think for me personally, like some of the times where I've like really listened and kind of it's really changed my beliefs have been like when the beliefs I already held were challenged. Like when I was in a position where it was like not uncomfortable, but like outside of my comfort zone. And I was kind of like forced to really like reconcile 
what I held to be true with like what someone else was telling me. So like situations that really like challenge my presumptions about the world, I guess. So like it, it does require a little bit of like not shock, but like it's kind of a jolt when you really do listen to someone and it's something that you maybe don't want to hear. Anybody else? What does it take to really listen, to really hear? Gideon. To really listen to someone, it's more of it depends on what you think of the person. Like it say it's your parents, like say you're listening to your mom or dad talk, you might act genuinely listen to them because you care about what they're saying because they're your family and you genuinely like being around them. But say it's like you're in school and it's someone you are not a big fan of, you kind of just non-smile to whatever they say and barely pay attention because that's their world and you don't want to be anywhere near it or a part of it. So if I were to rephrase what you're saying, the prerequisite for good listening is a degree of respect. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree. That's basically what I'm saying. Okay. Alexis? I think I disagree with that. I think I can listen to people that I don't really like or don't particularly respect. I think I think what's important for me in listening is like taking time to understand what somebody else is saying. Like, because obviously every time I hear something, I'm going to have a gut reaction to it. But I don't think that gut reaction comes from like listening to something. I mean, it might, but like, I think what ends up being like a part of the listening to it is like, if I go through and I really think about what's being said and I really think about like what's going on and why I'm reacting the way I am. And, you know, if, you know, that doesn't really change my thoughts about it, then I guess my gut reaction was still me listening. But I think a part of it for me is like the time after, like up until that point, I haven't really listened to what they've said. I've just heard what they've said. Roma? Um, I think sometimes like how Julian was saying that, like we need to accept that even though their like opinions may not align with ours to still be able to give them a chance and to be able to listen to them because they may have something valuable to say and it can change your view on things sometimes. So kind of giving them a chance to and just giving them that opportunity. So part of that kind of listening means that you're not busy thinking of your response to what that other person is saying, that you're really taking it in. I think, I think Gideon was talking about it sort of a different context, actually. I'm gonna, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but because uh, I think everybody else is talking about being in conversation with somebody they're willing to be in conversation with for whatever reason. And Gideon, you're talking about walking away when this is just not going to be a good deal and you know it in advance. So that's a different situation. So taking the, parsing the prayer a little bit further. So Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Listen up, Israel. Adonai is our God and Adonai is one. And I want to focus on the one for a moment. The one in opposition to the particularity. What I'm saying is saying, listen up, Israel. Listen up, you Jews. Listen up, you people who are, who are aligned in this way. God is bigger than you are. God is a unity. How does that help us with listening to people or hearing people that we don't agree with? You see what I'm trying to say here? Like that's an, I, I'm parsing the prayer in a whole other way, but I'm asking that question in that way. I mean, uh, if we believe there's a oneness in the world, what does where is the obligation, Julian? 
I mean, I think what comes to mind is like, it can sometimes be intimidating, like how vast the world is and how like vast those differences of opinion and like lived experiences are when you confront them in, in conversation or, or in meeting people. So I think kind of like the invoking of like the oneness of God, it's sort of like you sometimes have to surrender to that a little bit to the fact that things are just so much vaster than you are. And you're just kind of like a small portion of of the world. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think just kind of like it, being humble and kind of accepting, like, you know, you're encountering all these things in the world and you might not be able to kind of parse all of it and understand all of it. Alexis. I think for me, I think it also comes with like a sort of unity, like for people, not just like for God, like, yes, God is one, but I think it also kind of brings, like it brings people together. And so I think you know, if there is a, you know, a unity between people, like if you can relate to a person, you're going to be more likely to listen to them. And so I think this bringing together of people also lets us not just hear each other, but also listen because it gives each other like an opportunity to find connection on a deeper level. Rama? I honestly don't know. (laughs) Okay. I thought you wanted to say something, but I also want to focus on the sort of the seesaw effect of it's uh, the prayer says, "Listen up, Israel." So, by saying that, yeah, you know, we can we can all say, "Kumbaya, let's all get together." The world is vast, and isn't that nice, uh, right? But the Israel part, I want to invite you to think about that as a way as being of being rooted, and how important is it to be rooted before you can see the vastness of the world, so that you're not overwhelmed, and. However you define that Israel part of the prayer, that's really up to you. But I want to ask that question is how important is it to be rooted, to be able to listen and to hear different voices? So, Rome, I'm going to throw this question at you. How important is it to be rooted, to be able to listen to different voices? You're thinking, okay, somebody raise your hand and let me know if you have a response to this. I mean, I think this is kind of what Gideon was talking about, like sort of having your own frame where where people will present you with information and not necessarily like my cat i have to listen to my cat move around but <laughs> but like remaining kind of true to yourself even while taking all of that in so i think that's kind of what you're talking about is like and i i think i practice this too like just as a student is like you're going to be presented with all types of perspectives but like you're not really doing your job right and like diligently listening if you're not also challenging what you're being told and like comparing it to what you know to be true. So I think there's kind of this twofold element to listening where like you have to be accepting and willing to go with the flow, but you also have to be yourself and have your own beliefs and perspectives and not, not, I guess, obfuscate those. Gideon. So kind of going off of Julian, mostly on the example of being a student, it's, you have to listen to a lot of opinions and thoughts about whatever you're learning about. You can ask questions about maybe the, what you're learning. You can ask questions to other students about what they're talking about, try to expand on that. But you're always going to have your own understanding of something. You're always going to have your own opinion. You can share it out and you can definitely change it, but, you're, but you'll still always have your own base opinion that expands from there. That's kind of what I think of when you say that. But Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And if anybody else wants to jump in on this one. The question I have for you is, 
have you been taught in your education how to discern when something that you're reading to how to see something you're reading or hearing is coming from a very pointed point of view so that you can say, ah, okay, this person has this very particular point of view, even though it's being presented as being neutral, underneath the neutrality, there is a point of view. Is that something that you're able to catch or you're still in the process of figuring out how to do it? I think all of you, yeah, Gideon. I have definitely been learned to see when something is written from an opinion, especially when it comes to some religious text or just historical text, because a lot of it's written by the victor, the people that survived long enough to actually write it down. So it's definitely easy to tell when something's an opinion or just from an objective standpoint. And it's kind of nice to read something that's an opinion. It's like, weirdly enough for me, it's nice because you know that it still means there's people out there that have their own thoughts, their own opinions, and are just kind of going off of what everyone says. Alexis? Um, I think for me, I'm a little bit more in the process of figuring it out. I think I think because like I've been taught a lot of the times, like when I'm given something to read, there'll be like a blurb at the top of like who wrote it or like what the historical context behind it was, which is always helpful, right? I think that's the first step to kind of, you know, seeing what biases might be in it. But I think it gets harder when you don't immediately have that, which is what I'm kind of currently trying to figure out. I'm trying to like find that balance between like, how much do I go and look up on my own before I read something versus like, like how much is enough and how much is too much to the point that like what I'm reading, I kind of just doesn't become as interesting or as useful to me anymore. Roma, point of view. What do you think? Um, I think, yeah, I definitely have been taught to look for the biases and stuff. But sometimes, like Alexa said, it is hard, especially when you like it isn't said at the top, of course. But yeah, it can be hard sometimes. Yeah. Uh, good teachers set traps, I will tell you. I had a teacher in rabbinical school who set the trap of giving us a, a text and we had to critique it. And I thought it was basically not well thought out and substantiated. And I said so. And I was the only one of my classmates who said that. And it was exactly what she wanted me to say. But, you know, we, we, we're in a society and we're often taught that if the teacher says it, it's got to be right. And, um, and no, no. And I think, you know, having the four of you here, each of you, and that's sort of, sort of happening in this conversation, you each come with your own set of experiences, as do I. And therefore, that informs the way in which I'm able to listen and the, in the way that I'm grounded and the way that I see the world. And I guess what I hope for all of you is that you have that, that the Shema offers a guidepost. You know, if you, if you, if you, you know, say the Shema, you can say the Shema as a prayer. You also say the Shema as a, as a reference point to your lives in a way of saying, okay, I got to listen, I got to be rooted, and I got to see that the world is bigger than I thought it was. Now, you can tell me that I'm full of it, so I, I want to know your response to that statement. How do you feel about putting the Shema in that different context as a, as a learning tool or as a survival tool about listening to the world or hearing the world? Or should it just stay in its place of prayer, I guess? I mean, I think it's, I think that's probably the correct thing to do because after all, I mean, I assume that these prayers really did inform 
how people in the past like approach their daily lives, like I, their quote unquote secular lives, as well as their sort of connection with God. So I, I like it. I mean, I think it's something that I'm trying to do in my own personal life is like learn as much as possible about the world around me and and about the people too that are, that inhabit it because I think it can be really disconcerting sometimes when you don't have that ability to like to seek out truth and to reckon with like the vast the vastness of the world. So that that's my reaction. Anybody else using the Shema as a, as a listening tool as a way to see the world more fully? Or am I blowing out of the water something you were taught way back when, Gideon? I'm kind of in the middle because. Yes, we used to listen to everybody, but it Shema feels like something that kind of should stay just in the religious context because a lot of the part, a lot of things in Judaism are, when put in the modern context, gets confusing, and they have to teach this to a little kid. They won't get any of it till they're older, and they can. It's not that they can't under listen and understand it immediately. It's just. It's, it's going to be more difficult for them to express their opinion and they don't really get to fully say what they think. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is definitely age-related. Definitely. Yes. So it's just more of, it's something that you can say, like, to us, as, like, teenagers who are, are almost adults, but you can't really say it to the kids. So it's no. just, it's difficult. That's, like, you could definitely put it in the modern context. It's just difficult, is all I'm saying. I totally agree with you. I really wanted to do this today and on this topic because we're in a play, time and place that's really fraught. And like I said, people are, you know, our ability to listen and hear one another is really being assailed. If we don't say something exactly the way somebody else wants to hear it, uh, they may give us a hard time and, and neutrality is, is being judged as well. I want to put point one other thing. Shema doesn't mean you talk. Shema means you listen. And I just want to put out the example that the the teaching that we have when you go to a, a shiva house, to a house of mourning, the person who's doing the visiting isn't supposed to talk. It's not supposed to be a cocktail party. It's supposed to be offering comfort to the person who's in mourning. And what we're told we need to do in that space is to listen. Now, if the mourner doesn't want to talk, we don't either. So I want to sort of wrap this up with the notion of how hard is it to be silent in the face of difficulty? And do we always have to react immediately when something is hard? Or can we take the time to listen, to reflect? Gideon and then Alexis. So that depends on the per- person because to get through something difficult, some people really do need to talk. Maybe they just need to talk and just ramble on and on, or maybe they just... Oh, yeah. The mourner, the mourner can be talking, definitely. No, no, I know. I'm just saying it really depends on the person, because if some people really just want to go on and on and just have someone to listen to them, or they just want to be alone for a minute, to be quiet and just sit with their thoughts themselves. But it's definitely... That's definitely an interesting question because it can, it's difficult. To, it's, I can't really answer it because, like, for me, I love to, I want to talk about it, but with other people, it's difficult to say because you can only talk from your own perspective. Alexis? 
I think, I mean, I think for me, I think like kind of a prerequisite to listening is that we don't react right away. I think, I think it's important when things get difficult to not react right away. Cause I think often our gut instinct is a very emotional one, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's one that can lead to a lot of things that we end up regretting later. And so I think taking the time to listen, taking the time to understand, seeking out, seeking out people to listen to is probably, I think is the most important thing to do when things get really difficult. And I think if we don't, it ends up like everybody suffers for it, which is the unfortunate part. And like, I think the gut instinct is to talk because we like to talk. We we're social beings. And I think, I think in my head in this conversation, there's a very big difference for me between like talking lowercase T and talking capital T, like talking, like, like asking questions is very different for me from like talking, expressing a viewpoint. Julian. I mean, I'll just jump in on that quickly. I, I think that's very true. And I think that's something I'm trying to work on still, even as I'm like getting older is like, not, not reacting, not talking, not <laughs> going with my gut instinct. And I think also part of, yeah, I think that's just like something we value in our society is kind of like the ability to kind of like be react react to what people are saying like we're we're all about the talking and less about the listening i think in in our society so yeah it's something i'm trying to work on and i definitely value it when i see it in other people like the ability to sort of just like you know think for a second before you you speak or you you engage is that hard for me it is i don't know maybe for other i i i will admit to you even at my advanced age I've been, and this is on a, on a personal matter, having nothing to do with the world, somebody says something and I was getting, and luckily it was a phone call and I was getting really annoyed and I was about to blow it. And I said, take a breath, listen, who's the person saying this to you? Why are they saying this to you? Oh, okay. I'm going to turn this around. It was not an easy task to do, but I did it. But I'm telling you, it takes work. It takes work. And I'll share with you a quote that a rabbi wrote recently about the difficult times that we're living in. It's a quote by Abraham Lincoln, who was asked about, is God on your side? And Abraham Lincoln responded, I hope I'm on God's side. Um, Pretty solid response. That's a pretty good comeback. Right? I I thought that was pretty good. I think I like that. Roma, I was going to... Thoughts about this whole conversation. I want to wrap it up. I think uh, this has been a hard conversation, and I just want to thank you all for being in it because your insights are of value to all of us. Believe it or not, they really are. So, whoever wants to go first, just your response to this conversation, Gideon. I'm going to start with you. Just your response. So all the everything we've talked about so far. Yeah, everything we've been talking about. Just that. This is definitely a conversation that, like, if we went fully in depth with this conversation, I don't think it would last just like thirty minutes. That's my only response. <laughs> so we've so Gideon, you're saying we've just touched the tip of the iceberg on this one. When it comes to Judaism, and you have a conversation about any of it, we only touch the iceberg of it, like the tip of the iceberg, so we don't have to go like for days long of a conversation. <laughs> That's what the Talmud is all about, uh, Roma. I think the one takeaway is that listening is a very valuable skill 
and it's it takes time to like learn how to obviously do it and we struggle with it but doing it is really important alexis yeah i think kind of similar to what roma said i think like listening is hard and i think like we all try to listen i think we should all try to listen as much as we can but it doesn't always work out and i don't think it means that we're like lesser for it or we've missed the mark um i don't think it means that we're somehow we haven't failed as people for not for failing to listen but i think i think it means that we try again more next time you know the excellent is the enemy of the good you know that right because there ain't no such thing as perfection i just want to make that really clear julian wrap it up for us yeah i think what roma said really struck home for me like listening is something we kind of have to do but but like alexa said it's like we ha- there's different types of listening and sometimes it doesn't work out and you kind of have to keep keep going and chugging along so i really want to thank you all for this very very rich conversation and thanksgiving is coming and i am thankful for all of you for being in my life have a good one Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehila Talks. For more information about Tehila, go to congregationtehila.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.